Well, mm, hello folks, and welcome to We the People. This is, of course, the American Soccer Podcast, in which you are going to get to know everything, everything, everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national soccer team. I'm Clayton. I'm a musician. I'm Ty. I manage a web design company. And we love the Nets. Still. It's We the People. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Folks, the game was USA versus Italy. Welcome in. Thank you for joining us. Italia. <laughs> we are recording on Turkey Day. Uh, tis we the morning. In the morning. Weird morning sode. I'm like, weird morning sode vibes. Uh, We love being here. We're so glad that you joined us. If it's your first time, thanks for giving us a shot. Maybe you're you're feeling extra patriotic and you're thinking, what else can I do? Uh, Thanksgiving was nice. Uh, How else can I enjoy American traditions? Well, you nailed it. The Nats are it. Unfortunately, you joined us for um, a sort of depressing era of the Nats. But what's not a depressing era of the Nats? Am I right, Ty? It's, It's all about to change, dude. All right. Well, let's uh, let's right on the cusp. <laughs> right on the cusp. It's going to get so good so soon. Let's dive in, shall we? We're going to start with a quick uh, game recap, and uh, then we're just going to talk Nats for a little bit. Join us if you enjoy this show. Uh, definitely shoot us a review, five stars, five stars, and uh, if uh, if so, you might find your words, your literature, being read on this air. Uh, if you want to kick it with us and you, you want to, like, uh, get to know us on a personal level, maybe not that personal, but, uh, you know, live and in action, follow us on Twitter at WTPPod. And I um, think that's about it. House is clean. We have, we have Jurgen coming on next week to read more reviews. He did a great job last week, and he's agreed to do it again. Jurgen was fantastic. We love you, Jurgen. I mean, he he did insult me a lot. So I'm, I, you know, we'll talk about it off air. But like, eventually, we should get somebody else who's not quite as uh, as critical of me. It, it does hurt my feelings, but um, for now, we have we have Jurgen. And then, yeah, um, we have an last... interim. We have an interim uh, yeah, review reader. An interim and review it, reader. It'll be like a month, <laughs> exactly. or like a year and a half, or like uh, a year and a half. Yeah, it's uh, it's mysterious. Ernie Stewart is still waiting to announce Jurgen's replacement. We've definitely not interviewed show. anyone. Uh, hasn't interviewed anybody. <laughs> yeah, I thought Tata Martino would be great, but um, Ernie Stewart seems to not even care. Yeah. Uh, uh, Actually, call, for the review reader, we need someone with a thick accent. Perfect English is <laughs> yeah, not it's helpful. Great. It's no, no. It's optimal to have an accent. Um, if you listen to this show on your phone. Um, but you do not subscribe in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you subscribe, just hit that that little button. That really helps us out because that helps our our search ratings. So when people search for podcasts, the more subscribers you have, the more likely you are to show up. So if you if you're one of those folks out there, lovely folks who's listening on the web or just you know picking up an episode now and then, if you could please just subscribe to the show and you could ignore them. You know we don't give a damn. <laughs> Just subscribe. That really helps us out. Thank you very much, and thank you for your earballs. Yeah, there was a there was a a regular customer at uh, one of the restaurants I worked at in Seattle who who downloaded every episode and subscribed and never listened once, and made that very hero. clear to me. He's a hero. 
Hero. Hero. We love this guy. So, folks, let's dive on in, shall we? Let's do this thing. This was uh, this was a little confusing, but why not? Ethan Horvath, both Gloversons. At last, both Gloversons. Both Gloversons at last. Uh, Ethan Horvath, who I thought about it a lot, looks a little like Clint Dempsey. Find me on Twitter at WTP Pod. Tell me what you think. He's got the brow. He's got do the brow. Do at me, bro. At me, bro. Uh, then we're going to have three in the back. Um, if you're if you're a regular oh, fan God. of the show, you might you might recognize uh, what was once the fidget spinner, but yes. can't say it was last night. Uh, three no. in the back, we'll get into it. Three in the back, we have Cameron Carter, Vickers, uh, Walker Zimmerman, and Aaron Long. Why not? And then we're gonna have a, a couple wingbacks or wingbacks or something. Uh, Reggie Cannon. Uh, on the right, and Shaq Moore on the left. Our right. three in the middle are going to be Marky Delgado, Tyler Adams, Shaboy, and Kellen Acosta. And then up front, we're going to have uh, striker Christian Pulisic and Josh Sargent. Give him a run out, boys. Uh, folks, this game was... A fucking mess. Uh, it looked a little bit like uh, a snow globe, or perhaps <laughs> what occurs if you have a fibrous diet when you flush after going number two. Uh, there was oh lots boy. of there was lots of moving parts. Everyone, <laughs> no 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 one knew seemed to quite know where to be or when. Uh, but everyone was trying. There was definitely a lot of trying out there, as well as a lot of fouling. There was trying. Uh, there we had some some quite vicious. Uh, yellow cards uh, to both of our wingbacks, Reggie Cannon and Shaq Moore. Uh, Kellen Acosta would get one of those as well. Um, and then we saw some substitutions. We got to see uh, Whale Trap. We got to see El Suino, Jorge Villafania. We got to see Sebastian Lecce. We got to see Romain Gall. Welcome in. Get on in, bro. Get on the boat. And finally... Get those frosted tips into yes. my heart, Romain Gall. <laughs> right about now, please. Uh, and finally, we got to see Bobby Ood, Ood, Dude, uh, this game oh, this game was a total scrappy mess in which Italy carried most of the ball and the U.S. Uh, chased shadows, pressed in ones and in groups of one and two, uh, and eventually lost to a 94th minute goal by Isha Boy. Uh, you know him, you love him. Damn it, I thought I could find it. Oh, you know him, you love him, Matteo Politano. Uh, in the 94th Paulie minute. boy, Pauly <laughs> Tano. Um, not as awesome of a name as Straight Up Lasagna, I gotta say. It's pretty epic. Uh, so we lost. We lost to a guy named Lasagna from Italy. Um, but, he did uh, not score, though. That, that would have been the ultimate, uh, <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate shame. Yes. Uh, it, was, it was rough. It was scrappy. Ty, what were your first impressions here? I mean, we deserve to lose, right? one nothing is generous. So we say all the time on the show that the friendly results don't matter, and this is the perfect example of why, because whether or not Paulitano slots home in the 92nd does not change anything about the U.S. performance and the way what we should take out of it. So I was afraid that if this did make it to nil-nil, that there would be some notion that it was good. <laughs> for the U.S. <laughs> and that the U.S. did a good job, which which uh, which clearly isn't the case uh, on the whole. It was a, it was I thought a rougher performance even than the England match. Um, Italy was just not as good and as lethal as as England 
as yeah as England was. Um, that mainly came down to just individual technical quality, just not being there, not being able to connect passes, not being able to move the ball in the final third, not picking up Polisic's runs or connecting with Polisic, leaving him to to try to do everything on his own, and then Polisic has his own ball loosishness as well. Um, so there were a lot of negatives, but for me, I was heartened by the amount of pressing that the U S did. Um, we were, we were hunting in packs. I thought, uh, sort of contrary to what you said. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I was a little harsh on that one. Well, it felt to me, I I noticed one particular trigger, Mm -hmm. which was that every time the ball went back to Sirigu, they pressed hard. So they, they would have five or six pressing every time the ball went back to the keeper. So I don't know much about Sirigu, but maybe they had a read that he's he's not as comfortable, um, you know, playing out of the back, and they could force mistakes that way, which they did on one or two occasions. Um, I think the best spell of you know U.S. sort of threat uh, came early in the second half after a couple sustained uh, um, moments of of pressure that eventually got wasted by someone. <laughs> Somebody threw it all away. But anyway, we did manage to to uh, get a little bit of momentum going through that press, and I think that should be an integral part of our tactics going forward, as should getting uh, lots of yellow cards because the, the U.S. went in hard on plenty of tackles um, and looked a lot more aggressive than they did against England, which I really liked. Um, so, you know, what was it, 10 changes? I thought the England team... The, the team we saw against England was more of a first-choice team. So this is very much a B team. Um, so you can't judge the player pool too harshly because um, you're kind of getting what we expected. But it does feel sort of like a indictment or a um, at least a sobering piece of evidence as to where we are as a program and, and who our players are, you know? Yeah, and it's like a it's like a weird Dave Sarah can like mix it up, throw out a new formation on the boys on his I way know. out. Oh my god. I mean, look, like we did see <clears throat> we did we did see a proper fidget spinner, which was kind of like a defensive, like packs of threes with Will Trap in the middle. But this was different. We had Tyler Adams right in the middle yes. shuttling. Right. Um, yeah. The back three never knew who was to go and who was to stay. Right. Uh, yeah. Cameron Carter Vickers looked very uncomfortable. Everyone was just Everyone was just playing on their own out there. It looked like there was 30 people on the field. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So pretty what much. do we, I mean, what do we even make of this? Like, I, I, clearly there's, there's some heart uh, coming from the boys. There's, there's a, a debut by Romain Gall, really awesome. Josh Sargent got a bunch of minutes, uh, struggled, but got a bunch of minutes. Christian Pulisic yeah. was actually played as a striker, not as he, he yes, was not he a was false a, nine. He was not an he was not a Royce like kind of style striker. He was an actual. It was a, it was a he was a nine and a half. Yeah, it was a yeah. it was a it was a pair up there with him and Josh right. Sargent, and that's actually right, a position right. I would like to see him in more often. I think he has a lot of potential in that position, but you know, getting no service. Uh, it was it was just very confusing to be honest um yeah yeah i i thought the shape didn't help the team um cope with the scenario it's like you just want as few variables as possible to to change and it's like you know realistically like tactically what is italy doing that's that important to like nullify in a friendly like do are the friendlies here so that we can train the coach the outgoing coach in like what game plans to use in what situations? Like, it it just 
doesn't make a lot of sense to me to experiment on that axis in this moment. You know, I, I would much rather just trot out a more familiar shape, especially for players who've been, you know, in the youth system in the past. So just play that tab four of three, three and, you know, maybe make adjustments based on whether they're playing, you know, deeper strikers, a higher line, whatever. Um, but, but you don't have to chuck everything out and start again. It's for, for a match like this. And it, it felt like the U S was trying to reprise the France formation that was sort of, uh, somewhat successful at shutting down France, though we said in that game that France was also very wasteful and they had plenty of chances on goal. And um, was also a much but, different team. I mean, Italy was yeah. essentially, was like passed well, but was was definitely a defensive blocks type of a deal from what right, I could right. see. Um, yeah, for sure. Now, they, they, were, they were basically just trying to like combine, build possession through the middle, and um, I think Holden put it well. He was like, they're moving the ball up and down, so forward and back, forward and back, forward and back, and they're just waiting for the moment when they can ISO one of the strikers. So, like, the strikers are, like, combining in the the buildup, and they're just, like, steadily moving up the field. And then uh, as soon as one of the strikers notices that they have, like, one-on-one over the top or through the middle, they go for it. And that's what they did over and over and over again. They were playing these, like, 30, like, 20 or 30-yard um through balls or balls over the top to uh, to the the various strikers, including the the pasta man himself. Um, <laughs> boy, the <laughs> combination boy. goes out to lasagna for most appropriate. Definitely a top name, for top most, name of the year. Yeah, most yes. heavily reinforced stereotype. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, we've got some names on the team. I got to say. You know, yeah, that's true. When you have, you know. Wood and Areola and <laughs> all, all, all sorts. And Cannon. I, so yeah, I decided, Reggie um, Cannon sorry. and Shaq Moore are great. I love... More, more Cannon, baby. <laughs> more Cannon, What's please. this U.S. team missing? More uh, Cannon. I, I decided that um, I was just going to call Reggie Cannon, Reggie... <laughs> and that's his name now, okay? <laughs> Is that his? Can that be his name on the on this show? Yeah. What's the thing that okay. they shout? They like they they stuff the little the little like uh, cotton swab into the cannon, and then they're like, clear. I don't know. Pull out that cotton swab. <laughs> How does that work? Pull out the cotton swab. Uh, but yeah, I like that. I, I, I we can we can roll with that, Reggie. Yeah. So Reggie Reggie was solid. I thought and and was was aggressive and. You know, just didn't didn't have the technical skill to combine that significantly in the attack, um, ultimately. But still, still seemed like a, a pretty good option to me, and I liked his attitude as I always have. Yeah. But you know, both Moore and Cannon were very much um, <laughs> the the entire tactical system relied on them being, you know, technically strong enough to bypass defenders, which was just like <laughs> such a low odds proposition, you know. So, I don't know. I felt like uh, the, the the coaching could have been a little bit better, um, and the the players I think individually did. Some of them did as well as they could. Some of them let themselves down a little bit. I thought you know Pulisic could have had a better game, for instance, but um, and Sargent as well. But um, you know we have the players who we have, and so we have to decide what we're going to do with that. And you know it's it's. To me, the the conundrum of the U.S. soccer program now and forever is whether you play your Marquis Delgados and your 
Aaron Long's and dare I say it, your Kellen Acosta's as yeah, much as I love him. I love you, boy. I love you. These Kellen. are these are players who are between twenty three and twenty eight. You know who are MLS standouts, and so it's natural that as a national team, you take the best players from your domestic league, right? But our ultimate goal is to win World Cups, and it's obvious, you know, at this point in these players' careers, that they're not ever going to be at the level where they could help the U.S. win a World Cup. So for me, personally, I'd rather see younger players who maybe do have that sauce. And you just, just keep trying players. And you, you you know, maybe we don't get to play Italy. Maybe we don't get to do that and have that cool experience and, like, bring in that revenue because we are not at that level where we can even really be competitive with them. But for me, every senior national team cap should be in the service of winning a World Cup someday. And I feel like these are, these are in some ways, wasted opportunities. Um, now, that said, you know, my criteria is fully met in the form of, of some of the uh, other selections on the field. So I'm not, I'm not too upset, um, you know. But for me, Walker Zimmerman, okay, maybe someday there's something there. But uh, odds are low. Let's move on. You know, let's let's bring in um, let's just bring in Chris Richards, the the kid who started in the the U twenty final, which I'm in the middle of against Mexico. Um, you know, is he better served by playing in that game or, or playing against Italy? You know, and and realistically, what would be the the difference in level from what we saw? Yeah, or, or let's see uh, Carter Vickers and Miazga because that could be a thing. Sure. Right. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> cultivate partnerships. Right. Exactly. Let's keep rhythm. You know. The idea that you have to call in 28 guys of whom 10 are completely irrelevant to the long-term future of the program. And then thereby, since you have 28 guys, then you need to get all 28 minutes at some point. You can't let the minutes get monopolized. It's like, this is dumb. Like, we, we need to have this, like, tactical super squad of players who could potentially maybe in an outside scenario win a world cup which i think we can put 11 of those guys on the field at once right now um even if we have to dig into the 20s and 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 let's just trot them out and and let them let them get beat really bad because they're going to be four or five years younger but i would much rather those players be getting these lessons than aaron long be getting these lessons absolutely as as good a player as he is like it's just the odds that he becomes an international standout player are so low and we're not looking for the next Beasler, the next Omar Gonzalez. We're we're looking for the 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 types of players who are going to elevate our program to another level. And it, the more young players we give, you know, really young players we give a shot to become that, the more we'll end up with. And now's the time. We're still early in the cycle, folks. Everyone's everyone's in agreement here. Everyone in the universe, except for Ernie Stewart and Dave Sarakin, is ready for a new coach. <laughs> Um, the Italians yes, were probably thinking, man, these guys could use a new coach. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Reach out to us on Twitter at WTP pod with your gripes, your fears and your concerns. I think it's clear we're all on the same page. Um, I, some, I occasionally do hear like an optimistic sound off in the distance. Uh, maybe we should take a, a quick little journey, um, to the, uh, fishy zone. Let's, let's, let's have a little fishy report. Report, fishy report, welcome to the fishy report. Woo! Welcome to the fishy report. Uh, when when times <laughs> gets as rough, uh, there's always something fun to do, and that's look to the future. 
Uh, the Fishy Report Future. is the uh, section Future. of the show in which we Future. we uh, discuss any player who is eligible for a U something team. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, this this game last night was a was a Fishy Report, or this game the other yes, day versus Italy say, was a yes. Fishy Report uh, for us, and and we're kind of happy for that. Although you know, tacticless uh, as it was. But Ty, what's going on with the under twenties? We've been kind of tracking them, tracking their progress. How are they doing? Yep, yep. So last last we spoke, they uh, had beaten Costa Rica for nothing and had thereby advanced uh, to the under-20 World Cup. So the remaining question was whether they would come top of their group and get to play in the final, presumably against Mexico. They have. So they beat Honduras one nothing. So they ended their uh, second group stage uh, perfect and advanced to the final, which uh, as of record time, I am smack dab in the middle of. So uh, on the next show, I'll... Uh, I will let y'all know. Y- y'all, y'all will already know. Clayton won't know whether the U.S. won the under twenty <laughs> Concacaf championships or not. Um, Me and all of our imaginary new listeners. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, you, it's certainly a successful tournament so far, and and proving that that we are still part of the 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 cream of the crop when it comes to Concacaf teams. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the other 85 minutes of the game against Mexico, which has just gotten off to a great start. I'm pumped. Um, uh, but in the meantime, uh, we have had the the fishy report of the actual U.S. men's national team, and that reminds me that um, the fishy report is soon going to progress into a mode of thinking about the Olympics in uh, Tokyo in 2020. And the U.S. is going to have a – there will be a qualifying tournament for that. And so that's the same kind of situation where it won't be on a FIFA date so that we won't be able to get our best under-23s. And we're going to be relying on MLS probably and maybe like some fringe like youth team players at younger ages in Europe who are free. Um, but uh, look forward to that because a lot of the players who we saw on the field um, for the for the senior team are eligible uh, – are eligible both for the qualifying team and for the actual Olympic team if we were to make it. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the players who have made the breakthrough at senior level won't necessarily be available. But um, you could envision someone like a Tim Weah being available, or someone like oh. a Josh Sargent being available. Juicy. And if you put if you put all the all the dots out there and you think forward to what the team could look look like if we made it, it's not bad at all. I mean, there there are a, a pretty decent amount of, of our best players, you know, the Westons, Polisics of the world, are Adams, are all involved, are eligible for that uh, age group. So hopefully we can make it through that qualifying tournament unscathed and to make it to the actual show where the players would be free and we could we could see a almost fully formed, you know, U.S. senior national team compete in the Olympics at, which is an under-23 tournament with three overage players. That's essentially where the U.S. is at. So um, I think it would be just a fantastic way for this this new look U.S. Uh, team to get the experience they need to to kick on and uh, do even bigger things in the future. I had at one time suggested that perhaps Dave Sarakin could coach the uh, the Olympic team. I take it back. I'm not down. I'm no longer down. Yeah, I just um, want Tab to coach all all age groups. Yeah, let's all the tab time. it yes. up. Let's give Tab the the Klinsman job title. Of- oh, by the way, that's my official predo. Just based on, like, because people were thinking it was Greg Berhalter, but I feel like, you know, Columbus is out of the playoffs since uh, last week. You know, it would have been announced already that it was Berhalter. 
Okay, so, so you're officially I'm, I'm predicting going tab. Official, it's going to be tab, yeah, and it'll Great. be after the the U20s, which I'm down with, totally down. Fantastic, uh, yeah, and that may explain the lack of of uh, interviews to report, the lack of leaks. I mean, tab is already deep in the system. Dude, dude is embedded. Tab and Ernie could have uh, could potentially have ha- had this discussion months ago and said, well, just. Get the U20s where they need to be, and then you'll be the you'll be the Nats coach. And they've they've yeah, had exactly. that done and dusted for months. It's totally they possible. Did, they did their uh, their USSF secret handshake. Yeah, that's and right. And then they disappeared into clouds of smoke. <laughs> Tab is just the. You know what the holdup was? Tab just forgot to fill out his direct deposit form. That's all it is. Right, right, you right. Know, it's yeah, just it's, a little, it's an HR thing. Yeah. you know. He's in. You don't want It's it's all about compliance. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Ty, let's uh let's zoom out on both of these games, right? We had England, we had Italy. Uh we didn't score a damn goal. It's no big deal though. Uh we also had all these under 20 matches. I'd like uh, to just to just give the fans something a little more enjoyable to chew on. So maybe can we break out a list of people who came out uh, in this recent set of pods who we do think our potential World Cup winners. Oh, baby. So um, I'll start with the 20s. Uh, Alex Mendez from the 20s is is rapidly progressing in my sort of uh, estimation as a, I, I would say... What's his position and play style? Uh, he's, a, he's a central midfielder. Um, I don't think he's, he's sort of hardy enough to be like a, a Jermaine Jones 8 but somewhere between an eight and a ten, a little bit more lightweight, but a little bit more technical, um, and uh, and has has a, a wicked shot on him, and has combined really well with the the tricky wingers. Um, however, the wings are where I will focus. I think um, Ulianes and uh, and Paxton Pomacall, who are the the sort of starting left and right wingers. Uh, have been the highlight for me of of what I've seen of the 20s. Um, and that's great because that's a position where we desperately need depth, you know. If we're going to play 4-3-3 at the highest level, we need at least four wingers who can go out and play, you know, probably three who can play each side, right, um, to, to be ready for a, a tournament situation. And you want to have you want to have wingers who bring different things to the table. You know, you want wingers who are better in the build-up, you want wingers who are good at swinging a cross-in, you want wingers who can extend the field, widen the field. Um, and so we have one, we have Mr. Puli Baby himself, uh, but we've, we're really scratching for those other three yeah. <laughs> at senior level right now. Um, so I think, you know, Jonathan Amon is in that mix, and these two are now in that mix for me too, um, for, you know, potential let's say Olympic inclusion or um, some of the lower, lower stakes friendlies or friendlies that aren't, you know, directly preparing for a tournament or something like that. Um, So that's, that's, that's for the twenties. And then at senior level, I mean, I just, I'm blown away by Tyler Adams. Every time I see him, Um, I, I hesitate to, to hyper, to be hyperbolic. I don't know. Am I being hyperbolic? I, I just feel like he's our best player every time. No, I, I don't think you're being hyperbolic. Uh, I think he. We need to see him do some things in Germany, for sure. Sure. Because sure, he's yeah. he's in a he's in a familiar position, something right. like Acosta was. So, they, I I understand your trepidation because of how uh, lukewarm this 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 coal could go. 
Um, but right now it's a hot, hot coal. Tyler Adams is looking great. Obviously, I think, I think may, maybe not obviously, Weston McKenney and Christian Pulisic are potential World Cup winners for me. Um, very exciting. Uh, Adams is like right in there. I, it's, it's hard for me to choose between the three of them, to be honest. Yeah. That, that's how good I think Adams is. I mean, like two years ago, Pulisic was, was head and shoulders above anyone else in the pool. Um, and it's, it's a testament, you know, primarily to those two breaking through, but also to Pulisic kind of cooling off a little bit in trajectory. Um, but I, I feel like they're all in a, in a cluster right now of their re- relative level of importance to our long-term future. Yeah, I think that's true. And it, and it speaks to Tyler Adams' character that he was able to do it on the salty sands of the USA. You indeed, know? indeed. Um, and uh, Pulisic and McKenney both got the, got the uh, what's what's the room where where the squares light up in the, in the um the foosball knot the foosball knot <laughs> you know they they're getting that high tech Bundesliga training and Tyler Adams is is doing he's, it he's, in he's Newark. driving on uh on the on the Parkway yeah. an hour and a half a day to Newark and yeah. so imagine if we got if we got some funding behind this kid what 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 he could do I know I know that's always kind of like the the subtle um, pessimistic message behind these players like Josh Sargent you're like Wow, what would Josh Sargent have been if he grew up in Rio and not here? You know, right? And that sucks. To Don't think, think about, about that too long. <laughs> but yeah, it, but I guess it, it it doesn't have to suck because you can you can look at it as look. There's no reason why we can't replicate or like at least approximate that level of environment for a kid here. Sure, you know? sure. Kid, and we're getting there. I mean, up. FC Dallas would definitely raise their hands. Yeah, quick. yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think the thing that's missing to me the most about the U.S. soccer culture, it's obvious, but um, urban, uh, casual, free-form play is is sorely lacking. And it's something that, like, ironically, I think we had more access to than a lot of these national teamers. Like, Yeah, you Pulisic, and I growing Pulisic up in New York City. Just, yeah, Pulisic couldn't just hop over to the field and play for six hours on a Saturday. Right. But that's exactly what we did, you know? And look at where that got us. So, yeah, how bad would we have been if we didn't have access to Beer 40? <laughs> uh, so, but, yeah, there's, there's, that's truly the, the laboratory where you figure out these ideas. And, I mean, I said six hours. I'm not joking. Like, when you're one of these, these Pier 40 kids, that for background, this is a place in New York. It's, like, the one place that has really good, clear field space that is never impeded or rarely impeded by, like, youth teams and things like that. Um, so it's, it's, you can usually find a game there most hours of the day. Um, and it's a, you know, decent level, but it, as a, as a middle schooler, high schooler, like you can adapt to the game. You're not going to be one of the best players in the game until you're like later high school. Um, and never in my case, uh, but you, <laughs> you can definitely become competitive at a, at a younger age and you can, you can literally play soccer for eight hours a day if you want. Um, so, so that's exactly the kind of thing that the U.S. needs in order to progress. Because I feel like if, you know, I, I guess I don't know enough about Josh Sargent's upbringing to to say, but like if that kid could just roll out of bed and hit the field every day and play against grown men, um, I feel like that would have given him an even better platform to express his uh, skills. So I'm hopeful that you know I think there are, are some movements in that direction there's a project recently that atlanta united did where there was this like empty 
Yeah, it's like this empty um, vestibule area in a subway station in Atlanta that they turned into a small-sided field. And it's like, that does not cost that much money. That costs like one week of Miguel Almiron's time, you know, <laughs> to, to, to build this field. And that, that's going to change lives. Like literally, like kids are going to grow up having the memories of the time that they spent there just jamming away with their friends, you know, after school and the crazy moves that they pulled on people and like the times that they like lost their tooth and like it's going to become embedded in the the fabric of the lives of those people and that means that soccer is embedded in the fabric of those lives you know for those who haven't seen it ty what's the name of the documentary about french street balling it it's called uh concrete football which is a fantastic fantastic documentary it's yeah check that out it streams on netflix it's it's got a it's got a very short cameo appearance by an undiscovered baby Dembele, which is incredible. It does. It does. Uh, lots uh, of I, I think he was discovered, but he was he was youth team. Okay. So it's youth team Dembele. Um, it's uh, Riyad Mahrez. It's lots Serge of Blaise Matuidi. Blaise Matuidi. Yes, uh, there and then, are and and this multiple came out, World Cup winners. Yeah, in this, this doc. This came out. Uh, you know. Well before France would go on to win the damn yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think so, it was maybe 2016, something like that. Yeah. There's also an appearance uh, by a uh, French rapper named Gaudieu. Oh, so Wearing awesome. a U.S. men's national team shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's got style, Which was man. my personal highlight. Dude's got style. So, um, yeah, uh, Concrete Football. Check it out. It's a, it's a short, quick doc. It's beautiful. It is... Uh, it it will give you a better version of you know what soccer is than than what the the sort of U.S. stereotype is. Yeah, and it goes beyond uh, just kicking the ball on the field. I mean, there's a segment in there where they discuss uh, soccer fashion and how you want to yep. be able to you know kids want to be able to dress in a way that they can go on a date with a lady friend or a male right, friend, right, right, and then uh, and then. And then just bop onto the field if they see a game, right? So they're they they want they're, yeah they're they, game ready at all times. Yeah, they want their their Grat. sneakers to be cool and playable. They want to have right. the, those pants that fit tightly around the calves but loose around the thighs and waist. You know what I'm talking about? That kind of diaper Bloomers. style. Yeah, um, yeah, you know that's like a that's like a thing, and and it's cool. And I think you're starting to see a lot of that type of action in Atlanta, not just in terms of what's happening with uh, you know inside the stadium, fans going to the games, but like you were saying, pick up and and an initiative to get to get right. fields for kids to play, and just soccer becoming cool. You know, rappers wearing. Wearing jerseys and, and the like. Yeah, and absolutely. All that is, is a crucial part of how we win a World Cup. It's not just tab ball. So speaking know? of Atlanta, they are uh, going to face up to the New York Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference semifinals in MLS, a two-legged the affair. very coolest two possible clubs in, in the damn league. Absolutely, and no love lost between uh, the, the squads on the field nor the fans in the stand. There's been a, a sort of simmering rivalry, a non-geographic rivalry in sort of a uh, Celtics-Lakers style. So, folks, uh, tune the fuck in to that. It's, it's going to be Red Bulls. It's going to be Atlanta. And generally speaking, tune into the playoffs. Uh, they, you have time to watch them. They, the, these things are going to go like once a week for the next two months. Or whatever. Right, so, right, exactly. So you can do it. They, they, uh, they play one MLS. half at a it's time. Our domestic league. Yeah, they play one half at a time. <laughs>
<laughs> they go home. They come back the next day, and then they take a quick pause. Come on back and do the do the international break. <laughs> yeah, they come on back and, and do the injury time like later. It's absurd. Yeah, exactly. Do that a couple weeks later. They got yeah, a schedule. I mean, it's twenty-two players, right? Everyone's got, got conflicts. Yeah, right. All right, exactly. Oh, I have a meeting at that time. Uh, so then, briefly to tie back uh, concrete football to what we saw against Italy, and you know, recently in the the national team playing these higher level opponents, there is one and only one thing, in my opinion, that separates us from them. Um, that's a that's actually a dramatic overstatement. I'll restate. <laughs> and it's the lasagna. one <laughs> one thing that separates the U.S. team the most from Italy, from England, from Colombia, from even Mexico, is touch. Yeah. That when the U.S. players receive the ball, they they receive the ball awkwardly. You know, you'll often see a U.S. player receive a pass, and then the pass ends up a couple feet in front of them. So, I, I mean, they, they trap the ball, but the ball is a couple feet in front of them um, on the rebound. Or, worse yet, the ball pops up into the air, um, and when the U.S. players are moving with the ball, they don't move as closely to the ball as players with good touch. So those are like the specific things that I'm talking about. And it is literally that elementary, the difference between a good team and a bad team. And right now we're a team that has, you know, often has okay tactics, often has decent shooting, often has pretty good um, instincts and pretty decent like uh, soccer IQ, I, in my opinion, a lot of the time. We just don't have good touch, so we we can't combine in the middle, and we can't we can't um, threaten out wide because our wide players aren't able to threaten moving past the defender. You know, so everything has to be a combination, and then we're really bad at actually making those combinations happen. Um, so it's like this fun, one fundamental building block that that U.S. players just don't have, and the the uh, Tom Beyer soccer starts at home theory that I've talked about on the show before is just that kids in other countries just get dramatically more touches between the ages of three and 10 than our players do. So, you know, for us, the, these kind of small sided spaces make a big difference. And, um, you know, even going to a, a younger age group, uh, people who are, who are soccer conscious and are interested in soccer and have a soccer ball in the home for the little tot to, kick around you know if if he or she expresses interest in that soccer ball that it's like yeah you can have as many of these as you want and you can put them all over the place and it doesn't matter if it makes a mess because we want you to to to, to love the ball right and, to have and the ball do, love you like paxton and parents do that now uh because the, the tactics and uh you know team play and you know they're complex uh, aspects to the game of soccer that can be taught to adults late in life. And yes. we don't know what the <clears throat> in 20 years what the tactical trends will be and and uh as you know as time passes coaches get better and better and it gets even more complex and we don't need to know. All we need is to have the raw material and in in 20 years we can hire whoever is the best coach in the world. Uh right, you know, we're right. we're exactly. America. In theory we'll be doing okay and uh although that's certainly not a certainty uh, either, but let's say let's say things are going well. We can hire that guy later, and we can. But that guy can't. Uh, that guy or 
girl, that phenom manager uh, who exists in 20 years, can't Future do anything. Future Pep Guardiola. Yeah, the next can't, yeah. Pep can't do anything if we don't have the raw material. So it really is very simple for us exactly. to have those. If you've got kids, give them a soccer ball. Do that little game where you toss it to them and they pass it back to you with their the inside of their foot through the air. You can do this in the living room. You know, left foot yep. 10 times, right foot 10 times, snack time. Let's do it again. It's easy. <laughs> I think- this is your uh, your soccer aerobics tape for children. <laughs> yeah. so, do some soccer Zumba with your kids. Soccer Zumba. <laughs> uh, yeah. Folks, it, it's uh, it's been a nice camp, I guess. Kind of depressing. But hopefully the next one will be better. I think uh, we're looking at February 2nd versus Costa Rica. Does that sound about right? Oh, boy. I, I haven't even looked that's what I presume that there will be a January game okay. uh, or two, but they haven't announced yet, I don't think. So, um, little break, little break here. Yeah. Enjoy your holiday season. Uh, have fun with your family. Play some soccer together and uh, create some memories with the cousins. Get your little cousin interested in the game if make, you can. Make them memories. Um, and do that. Do that. Love your family. It's very important. More Even maybe... No, no. It's not as important as soccer. Almost, yeah. Try to love your family if you have time. Um, and, uh, Ty, what are you looking for uh, for the Nats uh, individually, for so any for these players? Maybe we can do a little sort of extended hopes oh, and yeah. fears okay, uh, yeah. now for the next couple months. It's uh, hopes <laughs> and or fears. <laughs> hopes and fears, hopes uh, and fears. I have to... I have to lead with uh, Mr. Adams, of course. This this move must happen. Got to happen. He's got to get over there. This guy's at such a high level. I, th- I feel like a Bundesliga team especially, and then even like moreover, uh, RB Leipzig that plays an especially high tempo, you know, a, a pressing, a t- a sort of aggressive game, is just got to be salivating over this kid. He His engine is ridiculous. He does have technical skill. He is tactically aware. He combines really well. That was my biggest surprise about Tyler Adams this camp was, like, I, I knew he could press, but he has some, he, he's picking up some packing stats out there. He is, absolutely. And both, both with uh, his passes and with his movement. Because he, like, when he receives the ball in the middle and he turns and goes, he's like a freight train. It's like this. It's the same speed at which he presses, you know. So it's it's really very impressive, and I can't wait to see him at a higher level because I think he's just going to be like a fish in water, honestly. Like I, I'm I've again, I want to avoid hyperbole, but I think he's going to be playing at a top twenty club, let's say, top ten club in two or three years. Like I think he's going to go to Leipzig, he's going to light it up, and then he's going to be playing for Chelsea, someone like that. Amazing. And he's going to be starting. I'm Amazing. Well. He's the uh, he's the new he's the American Ingolo Conte, and he's a little more attack minded than than Ingolo Conte. Ingolo. Yeah, he's the Mar- he's the American Nabi Keita. Sure, is, yeah, exactly why he he needs to be at RB Leipzig. Um, and he's very very capable of of playing at that level, in my opinion. Um, it's easy to forget how young he is. I think still nineteen. Incredible. So you're you're talking about a college freshman incredible at this point it's it's absurd so adams get get that move and then the u.s um squad in general the club situations have been pretty rough this year um miazga uh on loan at nantes has not worked out whatsoever i think he 
like they they changed coach and then the coach gave him one shot and he played badly and so now he's been playing with the youth team. Oh, so this is a 23-year-old Chelsea defender who's playing with the youth team at Nantes. Rough. So you got a GTFO there. Um, Tim Weah probably has to to give it a give it a break and and get a, get a loan for for six months somewhere. Um, I think it's it it was worth trying this this first sort of semester to see if he could be a more reliable bench option. But he hasn't gotten minutes since those first couple weeks of the season. Um, both Neymar and Mbappe are both injured coming out of this international break, so maybe he'll get a game this weekend, um, which would give him a you know platform to show what he can do for a potential um, loan deal. On the other hand, you know PSG is going to wrap up the title and sometime in March probably, so it could be that PSG is the place where he'll get the most playing time. I'm not sure, but wherever he's going to get the most playing time, I want him there, of course. Um, and then you know we were always talking about Sargent and the, all the the I think it was smoke signals is the phrase that uh, that uh, Twelman or Holden was using um, coming out of uh, Werder Bremen all the time about how they love Josh Sargent they rate him so highly and they can't wait to use him but they're just not really going to use him right now <laughs> it's like God damn it this guy's definitely definitely ready and it's so bizarre. That he has six U.S. caps and zero Werder Bremen appearances, um, zero senior appearances for any men's soccer team. I guess unless you count the reserves, but for a, for a, a, a senior first team, zero appearances. It's really really weird. And he's he's definitely at the level where he should be getting those those minutes, and it's time. Like it's time to. You can't just be happy with being at that club. It's it's you know needs needs that progression. Um, so there's a number of players who I feel like could could make some pretty substantial and and important moves uh, this winter. Another one would be CCV, whose loan at Swansea is not going well at all. So he has to he has to move on. I think it's probably time for CCV to give up the Tottenham dream. Personally, um, I don't think that's happening. But I think he could be a really really useful player at a lower level Premier League team, um, and and could continue to to grow well there. So. Yeah, maybe take a little bit more of a Yedlin path. Of course, right? Take the Yedlin you know, path. How could indeed. anybody hope for anything more than a coach? Uh, and maybe it's going to be Tab. You know, I'd be I'd be cool with that. I'd be happy with. Yeah, that. I presume there's a coach. Um, my hope for the coach is that it is a egoless steward of the national team program, um, not a steward, a steward <laughs> <laughs> of the national team program. Someone who is not charged with having the grand vision for the way that we should be playing or for changing U.S. soccer or for installing a brand new style of play. As we've mentioned, those things are surface level at best and, and downright harmful at worst. Because if we say, oh, no, 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 we don't play 4 through 3 anymore. Now we play 5 at the back, you know, and we play 5 at the back at the, at the senior level and everybody's got to adjust to that. I think that would be a disaster because you have kids who have been in the system since U13 now who have been playing this four three three and we're seeing, you know, at, at U twenty level that that's that's bearing some fruit. You know, these kids are comfortable in the system. It works well. It's technically flexible. It's perfectly modern, adaptable, totally reasonable system for any sort of game situation, as you saw in the fucking World Cup final. You know, you don't need these gimmicks at international level to be successful. You have two teams playing four three three against each other in the fucking final. You it's need like, less gimmicks. Give up. Less gimmicks. Yeah. Less gimmicks, less ego, less 
attention on the coach. I don't want a star. And furthermore, I don't want to spend money if I'm USSF. I don't want to spend money on a uh, a star coach from overseas. Like there was this this you know t- utterly false notion that uh, Julian Lopetegui, the former Spain and Real Madrid coach, was was interested in the job, and US USSF had rebuffed him. And people were up in arms about this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Why would you want Julian Lopetegui to coach the Nats? This guy knows nothing about us, our style of play, and he would want a huge salary. It's it's, it's a complete non-starter. Like any of these star European names, it's, it doesn't make any sense at all. So it's got to be one of the – it looks like it won't be Oscar Pereja, but Oscar Pereja, Greg Vanny, I, I wouldn't go for Caleb Porter, but maybe, maybe Gio Savarisi from, from Portland – um, and then, uh, of course, there's Greg Berhalter, there's Mike Petke. It's these these domestic coaches who are uh, strong and who can play that style and can just kind of shepherd the program into into this next World Cup and not get into the way. Um, and then leading that pack is Tab, who's not in the MLS system but is in the fucking U.S. system and has coached many of these players at, at youth level. So uh, he would be my, my personal first choice. Um, and as long as we have somebody who's not going to try to, to, you know, go root and branch and, and stamp their authority over the way that the senior national team plays as if that's going to change anything, uh, I'm happy. I'm thankful for coffee shops open, even on holidays. Uh, I'm very thankful, um, for, uh, um, I, uh, S- uh, surge protectors or extension oh, cables, yeah. if you Love will, of all sorts. Uh, how crucial are those things? And I especially love it. Uh, I'm especially thankful for when uh, a toilet gives you the option of like a light flush or a heavy flush. I just feel like uh, it's the best thing for uh, everyone involved. I think it's a fantastic uh, ingenious. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. The water, <laughs> uh, the toilet, the house, the roommates. <laughs> but I'm not thankful, and I don't love any of that stuff as much as I love the Nats. Have a nice holiday season, folks. I'm thankful for Thanksgiving. Thanks, Thanksgiving. Thanks, Thanksgiving. You're the best. It's me, the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.